0: in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news the flames beat the
1: kings 3-2 last night which means the golden knights are just four back of the la kings and It's the Golden Knights who have a game in hand on L.A., so a little bit of hope for Vegas after that loss last night. Golden Knights are also three back of Edmonton at the moment. Edmonton, though, has a game in hand on Vegas, so by points percentage right now, it's actually Edmonton in the two, L.A. in the three, and Vegas on the outside looking in for those top three spots in the Pacific am i am i being uh overly optimistic because they've beat up on seattle and vancouver when i say i think they end up making the playoffs
2: whoa i did not expect to hear that from you uh so are you basing this more on what you think is going to happen with the kings and the oilers than what's going to happen with the golden knights
1: uh a little bit of both like i I think the golden knights are going to play well enough to to win games here down the stretch and i i do not believe the Kings or Oilers are any good. So I fully expect at least one of them to have some sort of collapse or fall off a cliff here and open the door for Vegas.
2: I think if you're the Golden Knights, you have to take advantage of the next three games, right? You've got Vancouver, Arizona, and Vancouver. This has to be a situation where you come out with, what, five points? You can't be any less than that for the Golden Knights in in the spring here because then you're going to go to Calgary and to Edmonton. Before you come home, you get a Devils team that's out of it. Washington's still fighting for something. And then, of course, you're still going to see Dallas and St. Louis later in the year. Like, the Golden Knights do have a bunch of tomato cans on the schedule. It's just a matter of actually knocking those cans off the fence.
1: Tomato cans or trash cans full of sand?
2: That's Alex Leatherwood.
1: Okay. All right. Just got to make sure we have all, all our references correct here. Yeah, it's – I mean, you're right. The schedule, it gets more difficult, and these next three are sort of this – this uh this grouping of bad teams they're playing, mainly because they play Vancouver three times in a span of like a week. Uh, If they, yeah, I mean, if they come away with five points, six points in the next three games, I I think we're probably looking at them. They'll they'll probably boost their odds up to like 60% at that point to make the playoffs. And again, they're not not tracking down good teams. They're tracking down other teams that are kind of bad at this sport.
2: It has to be in the division, though, right? It's got to be those division teams because it's not going to be Dallas.
1: Yeah, Dallas. I mean, Dallas has too many games in hand. Yes, they could catch Dallas if Dallas falls off a cliff, but even if Dallas lost three in a row, then now your odds of catching Dallas are just 50-50. So that's kind of the, yeah, it, it's pretty much got to be division, and you want it to be division because if you get the last wild card, you're going to Colorado, and as Daryl Sutter has said, that's a waste of eight days. Daddy had a breakaway. Fred Couples believes Tiger Woods will play in the Masters. Apparently Couples is one of Tiger Woods' closest friends. He said, I hope everything keeps going Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm sure he's going to tee it up Thursday. This is after Tiger Woods took part in a practice round yesterday. What will be more memorable from this Masters? Tiger Woods making the cut or whoever actually wins it?
2: Tiger making the cut. There is no player who matters more to a single sport. Come on could the average person tell you the difference between John Robb and Scotty Scheffler? No. So no one's gonna care.
1: So okay, let's uh, is this let me ask you the same thing from last night. What do we remember more five, ten years from now? North Carolina ending Mike Shoshewski's career or Kansas actually winning the title? No
2: one outside of a small contingent of Jayhawks fans, of which I <laughs> seem to know too many in Las Vegas. Right. Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, there is a weird little Rock Chalk Mafia. Uh, anyway, uh, that being said, everyone is going to remember Mike Shashevsky walking off in pain, although hand-in-hand hand with his wife, so at least it was a nice visual.
0: Step back, one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? When?
1: Adam, I know... Um, I don't think we've played that sound since you, when you've been on the show. That has become my favorite sound, even though it's like three years old at this point. Yeah, but
2: we actually played it when you were gone, when I was here. Ah, and, okay. Oh, I okay. know. Oh, trust me. I know that audio very well.
1: <laughs> it's one of my favorites. All right. Kevin Durant says his injury derailed the next season. Quote To be honest, I feel like our season was derailed by my injury. So I'm not looking at it like we're just not a good basketball team. It's like there wasn't a lot of continuity with me and Kyrie out of the lineup. That's just what it is. When we're on when we're all on the floor together, I like what we got. Kevin Durant taking uh the blame for their derailed season while also putting in there how it wasn't all his fault because Kyrie Irving was out of the lineup too is an incredible two sentences.
2: Well, I guess what's admirable about it is that even though Kevin Durant couldn't take the shot that that he really needed to take for Kyrie Irving, he did manage to jump in front of the last <laughs> shot that someone could have taken at Kyrie Irving.
1: Uh, this team We still got ten minutes has... left in
0: the segment.
1: That's... He's done he's, do- he's done that twice now. It's pretty brutal. Um this team potentially has whatever, two of the top ten, whatever number you want to put on that players in the nba but they're gonna have to go through the play-in series if they get chicago in round one do you put any stock into the idea that the team with the best player is the one that wins the series
2: Hmm. boy that's uh that's tough uh that's really really tough i I'm gonna bounce. Up. Honestly, th- I, like I, I almost feel like I need a minute to think about that. And I know that's not my usual mo. What do you think?
1: I don't know why I said Chicago. I meant to say Miami. Um, I, for whatever reason, do. Uh, mainly because it's Kevin Durant, and I think Miami's good enough to to overcome that and beat a Brooklyn team that is not means a complete team. Not by any means a great team, but it's. I don't know if they go into that series and Kevin Durant's the best player on the floor there's a chance Kyrie Irving's the second best player in that series too. And that feels, that feels hard to overcome even for a one seed, even for a team that's been as good as Miami has been all year.
2: I think that becomes a matter of pace, right? That that becomes a matter of how you play the game. Uh, if Miami can slow it down and play the usual Pat Riley Memorial grind down from the Knicks' days, then I think you you give Brooklyn a real chance to win it. Uh, I mean, I should say you give Miami uh, the best chance to win it. Brooklyn needs to be able to pick the scoring up and try to get Miami to you know play the game up in you know the
1: one tens. It's just I, the thing that sticks out to me is that Kevin Durant was like two inches away well, on his shoe size from beating Milwaukee in the postseason last year, and that wasn't that was a, a derailed Bucks team by injuries as well. And yet Kevin Durant almost did it. And I, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, seven-game series. It's Miami. Miami's not like a juggernaut. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, if they're the two best players on the floor, that the, the Nets are winning the first-round series and making the East a lot more interesting going into the second round. Oh, you know, I can't tell you that. DK Metcalf can be had for the right price. That is according to Jeremy Fowler. Uh, Quick side note, can't everybody be had for the right price? I don't know.
2: What do you believe? The million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, would say everybody has a price. Uh,
1: What is the right price for DK Metcalf? Like, is he a first-round pick? He's on the last year of his rookie deal, would need an extension. Is that first-round pick worthy?
2: Ask the Raiders. They seem to think that, you know, (laughs) you you absolutely go trade a one and a two and then pay the largest contract in the history of the league. And DK Metcalf is not quite Devontae Adams, but he could be. Uh, So, yeah, would someone pay a first for DK Metcalf? Possibly, if they did so for Devontae Adams. If they did so for Tyreek Hill, then, yeah, I absolutely see it happening. But here's what would keep me uh, from doing it. Did you hear DK Metcalf talking about his diet?
1: Uh, yeah, he's the one that eats candy, right? One meal a day and eats candy,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you're not drafted you're not trading for that
2: I, I I think in NFL general manager group think they're gonna be like, you know what? He doesn't love the game
1: do, <laughs> do you guys want me to play that sound for the audience? Yes, I would love that <laughs> okay. give me one second. uh it is you're you're right though that is definitely an NFL general manager being like i don't I don't know about this
2: i'm a candy type person Oh, um, what i eat one meal a day drink one coffee and eat like three four bags of candy yesterday so yesterday i woke up worked out worked out again came home showered i'm hungry run to starbucks get a quick coffee that's gonna hold me to like four five o'clock this 12. okay so it's gonna hold me for like four hours dang around four thirty, i ordered order some candy and a water so i got what did I get yesterday? got the Skittles gummies. Then I got uh, the Lifesaver Creations. They're the same size bag, so I just mix them. Get the gummy, get the candy, get the water, eat that. That's going to hold me to like 8 o'clock where I'm having dinner, 8, 9. And then I eat dinner, go to sleep.
1: The part that's glossed over on all that, uh, obviously it's one meal a day, a lot of candy. He says, uh, it's about 12, I'm hungry I go to Starbucks and get a coffee, and that's going to hold me over for four to five hours. What kind of coffee is this man drinking that's going to hold him over for four to five oh. hours when he's hungry?
2: It's Starbucks. Every one of those things has 1,700 calories in it. You put enough whipped cream and caramel in there, and it's like having a protein bar. So I'm sure for DK, that's that's plenty. I think the part that's glossed over is, quote, I order some candy and some water like he doesn't just have someone bring in a giant bag of those lifesavers like he's getting on Postmates and being like, you know what, let's see what 7-Eleven's got rolling today. So let me ask you a question, Tyler, because DK Metcalf is from Oxford, Mississippi. Yes. Uh, Is this a typical Mississippi approach to things?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say no. Um, people in Mississippi eat their meals. Like there's it's it's <laughs> it's it's three meals a day and the multiple bags of and candy. And gravy. So he basically looked around and said, you know, I like the candy, so I'll just cut out two of those meals and eat the so real in reality he's you know a healthy Mississippian. It's a healthy Mississippi diet, is what he's got going on. <laughs> I don't care about your next question. The Cowboys, Packers, Texans, and Falcons We're interested in Devontae Parker, and my dog is not. Um, Miami traded Devontae Parker and a fifth to New England for a third round pick. If there were that many other teams interested, how did they only get a third for a fifth for Devontae Parker?
2: Because the guy can't stay on the field. Uh, That's got to factor in at some point, right? Uh, Devontae Parker was an interesting option. I'm not going to say a great option, but an interesting option for the Miami Dolphins when he was on the field but also if you're going to make the trade with Bill Belichick like don't expect that you're going to get the absolute best of the best right like Bill Belichick is not a guy who is going to give up uh, a first round pick for a guy like Devontae Parker who if you look over the course of the last couple of years you'll see Devontae Parker with 793 yards in 2020 and 515 in 2021.
1: Uh, Let me ask you another question on this. Who the hell leads the Packers in catches next season? Oh, man. Is it a rookie?
2: It's got to be Randall Cobb, right? (laughs) Like, they bring back Randall Cobb one more time, and Aaron Rodgers, just to make the damn point to everybody that I don't even care who's catching the passes, force feeds it to Randall Cobb like 150 times.
1: Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Um, oh, I got you. Uh, thank you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, and now Adam Candy's favorite topic of all time. Mattress Mac bet $3.3 oh million God. on Kansas to win the national championship game. And he won $12 million yesterday. Don't you love these stories?
2: I'm going to tell people one more time. The man wins either way. Stop paying attention every bet he makes is a hedge against something he has going at his furniture store but yet Mac has managed to make this a thing where the Darren Rovels of the world salivate over every PR pitch that comes in Mattress Mac placed a five million dollar bet right because if he wins the bet that means that he's covering against something he has to pay his furniture store stop it Old man places bet is not a story. Old man places bet so that old man gets rich either way is also not a story.
1: (laughs) And if Darren Rovell tries to tell you it's a story, then you absolutely know it's not a story. It's real, though. Mattress Mac is a genius. You know that, right? Or whoever's telling Mattress Mac to do all this. He gets free publicity every single big sporting event for his furniture store. He's incredible. Do, Do you know what the tell should be for everyone when they
2: say that Mattress Mac... Got on his private plane to fly to the closest <laughs> state that has legal sports betting in this Louisiana to place the wager.
1: <laughs> He's struggling. He's losing a bunch of money. He lost like $9 million on the Bengals. You got to feel sad for him sometimes. Coming up next, the Yankees are a bunch of
0: cheaters, aren't they? Looking back now, yes, we did cross the line. I made my statement uh, about what happened in 2017, and I apologize And it was the right thing to do. We all did what we did. Looking back today, we were wrong. I wish I would have asked more questions about what we were doing. Looking back now, yes, we did cross the line. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is The Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Featuring Adam Candy
1: oh gotta love carlos beltran do want to say a congratulations to pete pete is the winner of the bracket challenge over at lvsportsnetwork.com uh pete had kansas knocking off kentucky in his championship game but he did get three of the four final four teams right with duke villanova and kansas so pete won the grand prize which uh so there's a lot lot in the grand prize he won free mac and cheese for a year for my heart mac and cheese won tickets to a golden knights game a signed golden knights jersey plus a staycation and dinner for two at the sahara hotel and casino so congratulations to pete who won the LV sports network bracket challenge uh our march mania challenge over on our website but you just heard from Carlos Beltran there, Adam. I've got a I've got an important question for you. The there's the Yankees letter. If you're unaware of what that is, it's a letter from when Major League Baseball told the Red Sox and Yankees to knock it off because they both accused each other of stealing signs. Red Sox had their whole Apple Watch thing, got fined for it. The Yankees also got fined, but. All they apparently did was uh, improper use of the bullpen phone at least that's what we know but there's this letter that's been sitting out there because there was a lawsuit against major league baseball and the astros and the red sox about sign stealing and defrauding people that bet on baseball that's been thrown out but this letter that was in court has been sealed a judge has ordered it to be unsealed the yankees are appealing the release of that letter do you believe at all mr yankees fan that the Yankees fighting against the release of this implies there's something bad in the letter.
2: No, I actually don't. I don't think the Yankees did anything worse than what the Red Sox did. And I think that's actually been established. If you look at what the Yankees submitted in that appeal, the Yankees basically say, look, we were doing a lot of the same things other teams were doing up until you cracked down in 2017. And that's when the Astros threw up the double birds to everybody and said, oh, you want us to stop with sign stealing? We're going to go twice as elaborate and get into the trash cans. So I don't know that the Yankees are doing this for anything more than what the Yankees ownership group and front office is known for, which is just pure and simple arrogance. Uh, (laughs) They are the Yankees and they shouldn't have to. I think that's ultimately what this comes down to is that Randy Levine is a giant jerk and they're not going to stop fighting this because they think on principle they should win. Uh,
1: As an Astros fan, I have not expected there to be anything like actually good or juicy in this letter. That's going to change very much uh, despite how great that would be. But I think I enjoy it not being unsealed and the Yankees fighting against it more than I'll enjoy it actually being unsealed.
2: Yeah, I I totally can appreciate that. Just like, you probably enjoy Brian Cashman still whining about 2017 more than actually beating the Yankees in <laughs> 2017.
1: It's pretty great. Uh, I I also enjoy them hiring Carlos Beltran and then in some sort of state television interview, ask him if the, <laughs> if the Astros that's
2: the cr- greatest comparison you could have made,
1: like yes you're gonna be on the yes network working for the yes network was that championship the astros won when they beat the yankees tainted uh yes we went too far Uh, also it's unreal also do not appear on these airwaves without wearing that championship (laughs) ring because you know you gotta have some credibility oh my god that is fantastic to say
2: it was state television because you could tell what they did was the yes network folks were like here's how this is going to happen you can't do a broadcast until we've had you explain your role in the cheating situation (laughs) and we're going to have michael k give you sort of a faux hard-hitting interview to get your side of the story out there and if you don't apologize by god we will have john carlos stanton beat you (laughs) over the
1: head with a bat immediately on television uh i have another question for you as a yankees fan i just saw this on twitter i didn't see the actual audio of it did Carlos Beltran say during a spring training game that the Yankees signed Aaron Judge to an extension and then had to go back and say, wait a minute, he didn't sign an extension yet?
2: That is accurate information. Uh, it has been a great start to the Carlos Beltran <laughs> days with the YES Network. Here's my favorite part. So Carlos Beltran did say it's great that Aaron Judge is going to be around for a few more years and then had to change it to, well, he could be around for a few more years. And Mind you, by the way, the Judge deadline extension is thursday like both sides have said if we don't get this done by the start of the regular season then it's not going to happen and judge will become a free agent and then everybody's going to have a shot which as a yankees fan let me tell you the best thing for the long-term health of the yankees would be if they do not sign aaron judge to a contract extension he hasn't aged well until this point and he ain't going to age well into his 30s and they don't need another john carlos stanton contract on their hands how how old is he uh, Aaron Judge is thirty, I believe.
1: Oh wow, he's old. I thought he, he came up to, to the majors late. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, you're probably you're probably. So, what does he want? Like seven or eight years, and the Yankees are the ones pulling back, saying we don't want to pay you when you're thirty-seven or thirty-eight.
2: I'm sure that Aaron Judge thinks that he can get you know seven years at at least thirty million a year from someone. And I think the Yankees would probably love to make that five years and increase the average annual value by two or three years a year to try to make it you know per year a higher contract but not have to stretch it as far into the future when they already have Stanton on the books until two presidential administrations from now and Garrett Cole another seven years
1: <laughs> is that how we should look at long contracts how many presidential administrations it'll uh,
2: last? <laughs> yes I mean it, it's it's going to be you know president Steve Sisolak by the time that contract Wait, uh, is over
1: we also should do it in the like inverse where Pretty sure Albert Pujols has been playing since George W. Bush was in in the White House. <laughs> no, I actually that that
2: is completely accurate information. I covered like the second series of Albert Pujols' career back back in the day at the Arizona Daily Sun in two
1: thousand and one. Oh. He's he's old. He's going to be one season short of tying the record for most opening day starts uh, because he's going to start as the DH for the Cardinals. And he'll be I think it's 22 opening day starts for Pujols, which will be one behind Pete Rose. All right. I've got one more Yankees Astros question for you. Which shortstop will be better this year? Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who the Yankees traded for, or the Astros rookie Jeremy Pena? ah uh,
2: priming the vegas audience for a great discussion of shortstops <laughs> are going that's why we got teams.
1: that's why we got 30 seconds left in the segment for this one
2: uh kind of is going to ultimately be the better player between the two of them but it's not going to be that noticeable a difference because pena is going to perform at a level it's not going to make you forget carlos correa but it won't hurt as much
1: wouldn't both these teams be much better with a 27 year old free agent shortstop on a one-year deal
2: If Scott Boris would have given either of those teams that deal, probably, but he sure as hell wasn't going to do it. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show.
1: A lot of people think that, you know, it went into my decision being able to play the Seahawks. I don't have that much hate in my heart. I really wanted to be happy, and I wanted to be, you know, close to home and and, and stay on the West Coast. That was important to me, but playing the Seahawks twice a year was a cherry on top. I'll make sure they see me every time uh, we play them. So they'll know where I'm at, and I'll make sure I'll tell them It won't be a quiet
0: game for me. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler featuring Adam Candy.
1: Joining us now is Charles McDonald with Underdog Fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at 4 Charles, I have an important question for you. You have a new podcast coming out soon called The Exempt List. Do you actually have twenty-something guests on the first episode?
3: Yeah, I do. Uh, Twenty-four to be exact. <laughs> uh, so I was thinking. Uh, well, let's, let's let's say about a month ago, I was uh, enjoying some uh, medicinal herbs, and I was listening to some songs from middle school, right? And yeah, I just got started underdog fantasy, and they wanted me to start this new podcast. So I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this in a way that doesn't sound like what every other podcast is doing? So, I'm listening to like some of these songs from middle school, and this song by The Game comes up, and it's One Blood. And I remembered that The Game had a remix to One Blood called the One Blood Mega Remix that had like 20 rappers on. And I was sitting there, I was like, damn, I should give that a try too. Like, why not? Like, I like if, if the game can do it, why can't I do it? So, I don't know why I had that exact thought process, but uh, I just started texting people. I was like, yo, would you be down to do, like, a three- or four-minute interview? And we're going to do a conveyor belt style. Just get people in and out, as many people as we can. It's kind of like the game I put Like, there's a game that I think Mina played a few years ago where they were doing a live stream, and they just started texting, like, every famous person on their phone to see, like, Think they'd be down to come on, and that's kind of what I did here too. And surprisingly, people were just like, "Hell yeah! Like I'll I'll come on and do this podcast with you." So um, I'll tell you the when I I like so I I actually finished putting the whole thing together yesterday, Um, and I was sitting there uh, like I guess last week, and I'm starting to finish up all the interviews, and (laughs) I'm sitting at work, and uh, they're like, "I and I'm I'm literally just about to ask someone." It was like, hey, who do I send all these audio files to? And somebody right before I sent that, someone messaged me. Hey, so you uh, need to download Audacity. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I need to download Audacity. Uh, what, what 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 just happened here? And then I'm sitting there like, what kind of idiot decides to put 24 people on one podcast when they have to end up stitching the whole thing together? So, uh, I I I hate the podcast. But it's also like the <laughs> most brilliant thing I've ever done. Uh, it comes out tomorrow. It's like two hours, 24 guests, uh, and it, it's I gotta say, like I don't I don't like calling myself funny too often, but there's a lot of funny crap in there. Uh, and I think if uh, like if you've been enjoying these radio hits for the past few months, then it's gonna be like that, but turned up
1: by a hundred. So. <laughs> Would you have done twenty-four guests if you had known from the beginning you were going to have to be the one to edit it together?
3: No, no. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, uh, I described my friend this morning as the best time I never want to have again, uh, because it honestly was like a really fun process, like getting to talk to people and interview them uh, throughout the whole thing. But yeah. I kind of had like a little manic episode on Saturday where I woke up at nine and I was like, all right, look, it's either going to get done or it's not. Uh, So I woke up at nine and I just kind of sat there for like six hours until I gifted out the whole thing together, recorded the last two interviews with Bill Barnwell and Tyler Times uh, yesterday. And then I got hammered last night because – this thing has consumed like the past month of my life and I'm ready to get it off my lap and into the ears of people where I can continue to poison them with horrific thoughts.
2: Charles, let's piss off 23 people. Who was the best guest?
3: Oh, uh, wow. The best guest, you know, I'm going to go with Pablo Torre because, uh, quite honestly, he almost made me vomit with, uh, the story that he told, um, basically, you know, he told a story about uh, Matt Hasselbeck and uh, his center during the game. His center uh, had a case of diarrhea, oh. Uh, oh. and uh, without giving too much away, you know, the athletic trainer tells at some point during the game tells Matt to uh, stop licking his fingers. Um, so, oh god. Right, (laughs) right, (laughs) right. So, like, there's a point where I'm just like, oh man, Pablo. Like, I, and, and, but Pablo goes into very, you know, great detail on the story, and I actually got uh, a little bit nauseous. And then at the end, there's there's a really cool interview with uh, with Jamal Anderson, the former Falcons running back, where uh, we kind of just vented about the Falcons for 15 minutes. I meant to talk to him for four minutes, but, you know, you get passionate about something, and (laughs) next thing you know, 15 minutes have gone by, and uh, after that, you're convincing your boss that dropping a two-hour podcast is a really, really
1: good idea to start off a new podcast, energy. <laughs> it's, it's very important to vent about the Atlanta Falcons. All right, uh, NFL question for you. Does Dan Snyder actually lose his team this time?
3: No. I, I don't know. I, I, okay, have you guys ever seen that uh, that tweet uh, back when Trump was president where it's just it deleted now, but... You know, someone sarcastically saying, "Oh, can't wait to see how well Don wiggles himself out of this one now." Ah, uh, did it again. Uh, that's <laughs> kind of how I feel about Dan Snyder. Uh, until the NFL owners decide that they're done putting up with this, um, I I can't imagine that they're going to pull their team away. And honestly, I I don't I don't know if this is like reckless speculation or anything like this, but I kind of feel like we know why they haven't taken this team away because. He's kind of a loose cannon. He's kind of unhinged. And I I kind of get the point, like, if 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 anyone's going to rat on the other owners out of spite, Dan Snyder kind of seems like that guy. Uh, and Lord knows, I mean, these these guys have mountains and mountains of dirt. And I mean, we just saw over the past couple weeks with Jerry Jones just having, like, some random 25-year-old daughter that he had to pay a few million dollars to uh, that's just like the tip of the iceberg is what some of these guys are out here doing. So I, I think that uh, Dan's probably going to keep the team. They're going to keep this charade up where, you know, they say it's his wife running the team and they keep telling us that he's not doing anything or involved in anything. But uh, I I just personally find that hard to believe given everything that we know about Dan Stunner.
2: Charles, I feel like the craziest part of the Dallas story with Jerry Jones and the you know, daughter out of wedlock that we didn't know about was that was the story that knocked out of the headlines. The fact that his longtime PR guy was taking upskirt photos of the cheerleaders, like <laughs> that's, that's, that's the saying, level man. we deal like, with NFL owners.
3: That's what I'm saying, man. Like this is just the tip of the iceberg. And uh, I think it's important, you know, as you, as you move, as you move through like another Dan Snyder saga and, People keep wondering, how does he keep his team? Why is he still allowed to you know, be a part of this brotherhood? <laughs> because the brotherhood is a little nasty, too. Uh, and I, I don't think that... I think you need to remember that you don't quite uh, amass billions and billions of dollars uh, by being the, the, the most caring and giving person uh, on the planet. Uh, I mean, shoot, we just saw we have issues with... Uh, the Rooney Rule to the point where they are now mandating play, or mandating teams to have like one minority assistant right next to the head coach for all 32 teams. So this is still <laughs> very much a league that has a, I think we'll call it a work in progress on the social front. And as long as you know these guys are at the top of the, the power hierarchy, and not only that, but protecting their own empires that they built, they're going to do whatever it takes. And I, I, I just kind of get the sense that they're feeling. Uh, or they're slow playing this game, Snyder thing out. I just don't want the whole thing to blow up in their faces, which it very well could, depending on what, or considering what we already know, uh, is on there with John Groot And that's just like a snippet of the email. You know, like, there's, uh, there's a the reason why they haven't released it like they do all other NFL investigations. I think that's the easiest way to put it.
1: Well, where do you think Julio Jones plays this season?
3: Um, I don't know, but I really hope he goes to Indianapolis. Uh, I think that would just, make my that would make me so happy just because uh, you would get uh, Matt and Julio and a real offensive line for the first time since like twenty sixteen when they uh, you know played in that game that we shall not speak of. Uh, I'm <laughs> I I just want them both to go off this year. I think that Julio still has one big year left in him. Uh, and I mean like one monster season left before uh, you know he's done so I would love to see him in Indianapolis with Matt. Uh, I think i actually round out the receiver room pretty well, and then you can draft the guy. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at that offensive line, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman as your number one, maybe Julio as your number two, plus a draft pick, like that's looking like a pretty solid offense uh, the more you think about it. And, you know, to me, Indianapolis, they should be the runaway favorite for the AFC South. And, you know, if Julio is someone that is uh, – who really does care about winning in the way that, that he – that he has shown, I think, over the past year, even though the Tennessee stint didn't go well, uh, that would be a pretty easy-made fit for him to enter, uh, and it would make me really happy, too. So that's what I'm rooting for. I deserve to be happy.
0: <laughs>
1: well, he is Charles McDonald. Follow him on Twitter, at 4Verts. The exemplus podcast comes out tomorrow with 24 guests. Charles, as always, we appreciate it. All right. Talk to you guys later. So, there is Charles McDonald's. Hold, uh... hold
0: on. When you asked him about the best cast, was that where you were going?
2: I... did i did I expect that I was going to get a story about Matt Hasselbeck's diarrhea fingers? No, I didn't.
1: <laughs>
0: you have to listen to that podcast. Jesus.
1: <laughs> okay, We've got tickets to give away. Uh, These are to go see Megadeth. Megadeth is coming to Las Vegas on April 9th, this weekend, at Michelob Ultra Arena. If you want a pair of tickets, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. That's 702-364-1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to go see Megadeth. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six. This is likely the biggest story in sports this week. The Eagles and Saints made a trade yesterday, all draft picks, the most boring trade you can possibly make in the NFL, where it's all draft picks and nobody actually even gets in the top 10 of the first round. It's all in the teens or later outside the first round. But the important part of this story is there is a slight chance that the Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman, uses Reddit to get fan reaction of trades. Because yesterday, at 1246 Pacific time, someone named Adam Sports posted on Reddit, Would you trade, on the Eagles' Reddit, would you trade our 16th and 19th for the Saints' 18th and a future first, plus other picks depending on the package? Wondering if it makes sense to stagger out our firsts. 14 minutes later, Adam Schefter tweeted and reported that the Eagles traded their 16th and 19th picks to the Saints for their 18th pick and a future first and a package of picks. I hope so badly that the Eagles have somebody in their front office running trades through Reddit to see what the response is before they actually do them.
2: So you're trying to say that that wasn't me? That I'm not Adam? You're sports not you're not, not out sports. there just looking for random information about Eagles and Saints trades. <laughs> Can you imagine who comes up with that idea? All right, like it's almost indefensible to say that any rando did that. There's clearly what? someone in the front office who did this.
1: Right? Like, it, it, that's the thing. Like, when you talk about fans coming up with trades, it happens all the time. There's the NBA trade machine, which is a great, fun tool to use. But nobody sits around and says, what if we just trade draft picks with another team? Like, that never happens. And if it does, it's because you're trying to get, like, hey, we need to get into the top five because I love this player and I want us to draft that player. It's not, well what if we spread our first round picks out over a couple of years instead of like that doesn't happen. It had to be somebody in the front office. The greatest part about this is what is with Philadelphia sports and burner accounts on like different social media. It's wonderful. I just, it's, it's phenomenal. And so the Eagles trade yesterday, which was pretty much identical to what was posted in Reddit 15 minutes before it was reported is a like nothing trade from an interest standpoint because again no players actually got traded here but it got posted on reddit which somebody had to be in there and i hope it's as high as we could think i hope it's like howie roseman the gm or what Like i hope it's the owner who got told and was like ah what do the fans think of this ah it sounds good but the other part that's interesting it was only up there for 14 minutes before the trade actually got reported so like They didn't exactly sit around and see what the response was going to be. This could be the guy in the front office who's like, this is the dumbest thing ever, (laughs) and the fans are going to agree with me. Let me go ahead and type it up. But, I mean, with this trade, it's getting universal praise from the Eagles because they presumably got more draft count. They, They basically swapped 18 for 19 with the Saints, and then they gave up 16 this year to get a future first, a future second, and a third this year, right? Like, that's just from a straight draft value standpoint, that's a great deal unless you want all your draft picks right now if you're fine with spreading them out. They they got a lot more value than the Saints got.
2: So it's interesting, a franchise deciding it doesn't want three first-round picks at the same time. (laughs) What could go wrong? (laughs) You could draft all three and then not want to give a fifth-year option to any of them. That doesn't happen, does it? That's why it's smart to spread it out, spread out that risk a little bit, spread out how long those long contracts will last for you. What's amazing to me is that the Eagles, after Howie Roseman and that front office had become kind of a running joke in you know the post-Super Bowl era, have actually turned it around pretty remarkably. And I'll go all the way back to Nate Sudfeld, right? Right go all the way back to them tanking that second half against Washington in the last game of the season to get a better draft pick and then trading around in the last couple of years to where they had three first-round draft picks coming in and could make a deal like this.
1: All right, give me give me your hot-take reaction here. We love to talk about quarterbacks on rookie deals, that that's, uh carries so much value that you don't even have to be a great quarterback if you're just good on a rookie deal. Your team can win. Um Can Jalen Hurts do that? Like, can they have Jalen Hurts on a rookie deal and actually win something? Can they win the NFC or be in the NFC championship game?
2: Can they manage to surround Jalen Hurts with talent that will make it possible for Jalen Hurts to do that? Because that's the other part of the rookie contract, right? We talked to Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus about this yesterday, that the advantage it affords you is that because you're not paying your quarterback $40 million a year, you can spend that money at other positions. And if you miss, you miss, you just go get somebody else. You just don't give out huge guaranteed money. So if you're the Eagles and you're going to say, all right, so what can we do with Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract. Well, hopefully what you can do is get more than one damn receiver for him because Devontae (laughs) Smith is fantastic, but Jalen Rager, he's a flop. He's an absolute flop. It's not going to happen there. And somehow, wow, you mean J.J. Arcega-Whiteside didn't work out? Like, go out there and get involved with these other receivers. I heard you say earlier they were involved in the, uh, I don't know, do you call it a sweepstakes when it's Devontae Parker?
1: Yes, sweepstakes or, that landed a third.
2: I don't know. I think you I think you more call it like a woot sale. You know, like, like it's just sort of like, oh, that's interesting. I guess I could use one of those. I don't really think I needed a Devontae Parker, but eh, that's all right. I mean, it's not quite a Devontae Adams.
1: So are they a team that you think should be interested in Julio Jones?
2: Yes, without question. Look, I don't think Julio Jones has a lot left. But right now, what you should be giving Jalen Hurts is options that he can be confident in. And I think when Julio Jones is on the field, giant asterisk, a guy like Julio Jones is going to know how to get open. And that's more than anything what Jalen Hurts needs is receivers who are clearly open
1: they're a fascinating team because I Jalen hurts is fun I don't think he's necessarily good but on a rookie contract maybe he is good enough if that team is good enough uh I'll what, what are we in we're in April 5th here's a prediction we'll forget about very soon the Eagles win the NFC East that's not
2: that's not a hot take the Eagles are going to win the NFC East Dallas is regressing this year
1: okay Eagles NFC East Champions but losing a home game in the playoffs and not going anywhere anyway.